0: Live from the WGB studios in Merrick, New York. This is Sports Talk, New York.
1: Buddy, it's it's Sunday. February 6th, 2022. Welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB. I'm Andy Sukov. I'll be your host today on this Sunday evening. Tonight we got Wesley Walker joining us. Before we begin, I just want to remind everyone that you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit our website at WGBB SportsTalk.com where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. Lastly, if you don't already, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast WGBB Sports Talk New York on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. Now that we got that out of the way, we got, some, we got some fun football stuff coming up, like a big game next week, and joining us tonight to talk about some of the big games he played in his career is New York Jets legend, Wesley Walker. Wesley, thank you for taking the time tonight.
0: Thank you. Can you hear me okay?
1: Yes, I can. Thank you for taking okay, the good. Thank you for taking the time yeah, tonight. I'm
0: in, I'm in Arizona, so I'm near these mountains. So sometimes I'm not sure the Wi-Fi is working.
1: Well, it's it, it's it's working now. So wherever you are, yep. I like it. And, okay, and well, I'm way in my little closet. <laughs> yep, and I'm a I'm a big fan of Arizona. Went to Arizona State myself, so I'm I, I do. Oh, have,
0: uh, well, my wife is from this area. Her daughter went to Arizona State, and I have some. Ties to Arizona because of Herman Edwards. I went to uh, school with him. A lot of people don't know he went to Cal Berkeley, and before he transferred to San Jose State, you know. And so now I have to start rooting for the Cardinals every now and then. You know, <laughs> when the Jet games are not on anyway.
1: So since you since you are as with since you play for the Jets, you do root for them. When you, when you were growing up in San Bernardino, who was your team? Believe it or not, you know, being from
0: LA. Because, uh, you know, I ended up going to high school in Carson in L.A. I never liked the L.A. teams. For some reason, I didn't like the L.A. Rams. I had Vince Ferragamo as one of my quarterbacks. He got drafted uh, by the Rams, and he was one of my rivals. And uh, uh, I went to Carson High School. He went to Banning. And you'd think I'd be rooting for the Rams because of that factor. But I, 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 I liked San Francisco. Uh, they were okay because I went to Cal Berkeley. But I really loved the Raiders. And I remember I wanted to come back to school and play in Oakland Stadium at the time. And when we did finally, uh, play the Raiders, they moved to L.A. So I was back in my home, own hometown, you know. But mm-hmm. if I had to say the same team that I followed, it was more, uh, the Raiders or San Francisco 49ers. I didn't like the L.A. Dodgers, but I liked the San Francisco Giants. I have no idea why. It was just I'd never liked the L.A. team for some
1: reason. And so with, with that, who were some of your favorite players growing up? Oh
0: god, uh, Jesus. I mean, there were so many players, you know, obviously my, my teammates that I played, you know, Vince Ferragamo, Steve Barkowski, uh, you know, I followed his career when he got drafted from Cal. Uh, you know, I had him as a junior and, uh, followed the uh, Atlanta when he, he went there as the number one draft choice, but guys that I really liked, especially receivers, you know, you know, he, he was a little bit ahead of me, but Jerry Rice was a guy, you know, but, you know, even today's game, I look at Tyreek Hill, there's just so many athletes. There's not any number one. I can go down a list of every team and you could pick out that number one guy, you know. And uh, I, I was just glad that I was able to uh, have a career with the Jets and to say that I played 13 years in the National Football League and played amongst the best. And obviously, I just wish some of my stats were along par with some of the guys, but some of the guys that are in the Hall of Fame, my stats are just as good or if not better. But, uh, you know, I just, it just wasn't one guy that I, I followed because I looked at every position. Uh, there's just guys that you looked over as years. They, they were my role models and guys that just performed and, you know, I could take every position. I had somebody that I followed, but I liked, but there's just so many guys. I can't say there was just that one guy out there. Other than that, as a receiver, if I had to pick one guy because of the stat, that would be Jerry Rice. But there's so many other receivers that are very good, it's hard to put them in a category to compare them.
1: For sure. We're talking about Wesley Walker. So you, you, as we were speaking, you went, you went to Cal in the mid-70s. Were there any, is there any specific game or games that stick out to you from your college career with the Golden Bears?
0: Well, there was one game and, and it was actually against San Jose, uh, with Herman Edwards and I had a, Another defensive back that went there, his name was Dwayne, uh, uh, Osteen, and he ended up passing away, and some of the guys that I played with, and, oh, God, you just, you'd have good memories, and some of them are not here today, and it reminds me of a Chuck Muncie that I played in college with, and he's no longer with us. But, uh, I came off against San Jose, almost a 300-yard game, I had 289 yards, the, uh, and that's when it really scouts had started looking at me as a real contender to be a number one draft choice. And they, my coaches were saying, which bowl games did I want to play in? The senior bowl or east-west Rhine game and, uh, uh, Japan bowl. And one of my coaches was going to be coaching the Japan bowl at the time. And, you know, you're, you're just in awe at the fact that, you know, I'm going to be looked at as a number one draft choice, but injuries played a big part of my life and I ended up getting uh, hurt uh, against USC. In a, in a game and uh, knocked me out for the season. And my senior uh, year after that, I, I didn't know if I was even going to play again, and I recovered from my injury because I, I was a track runner also. I was um, only four years sport, letterman, in football and track. At, that had been accomplished since World War II. And uh, so that kind of got me through as uh, far as my surgery and just rehabbing. And I was lucky enough to still get drafted by the Jets. Matter of fact, uh, they kept saying I was going to still be a number one draft choice. Uh, and matter of fact, the Jets had said I was going to be their number one draft choice till I hurt my knee. And they started the second round. I was so disappointed they started the second round, and I was like the second or third player during the second round to get drafted. And the New Orleans had called me, and I was very excited. Uh, New Orleans had called, and because my, my buddy Chuck Muncie had gotten drafted the, the previous year. And so I was excited about that, and then I get a call, and it was uh, Connie Carberg from the New York Jets, and uh, I'm still friends with her to this day, and uh, and I can honestly say I was glad uh, uh, New York picked me, and I had a, a career that I will never forget. It could have been better, but uh, I cherish the blessings that I've been offered uh, over the years, By and thank God um, I recovered from my knee injury and had the career that I did have, and and being a receiver that was legally blind that people didn't even know because I know it bothered the, the owner, Liat Hess, at the time, and they didn't know I was blind until I had to read an eye chart. So they just drafted a number two guy, uh, you know, with a bad knee and was uh, couldn't see out of one eye. Uh, but uh, I was able to prove a lot of people wrong, and uh, that's been my mantra for kids, that uh, you can accomplish a lot if you're willing to put the time in, the work ethic, and you never to give up.
1: We're talking about Wesley Walker. So, when you got drafted by the Jets in '77, what was your first impression of them? Like when you when you first got to the building?
0: Well, to be honest with you, I didn't even know who the Jets were. Uh, I didn't really even—I hate to say this—I didn't even know who Joe Namath was. The only guys that I, I remember watching a—I think it was a Monday night game—and there was this receiver. He had white shoes, and his name was Eddie Bell. And then I remember this big tight end they had. Richard Casser and he was huge. He was six five, like two hundred and fifty pounds and could run. And I always admired him and to this day I always tell him he's this my idol and uh uh I was just in awe when I got there. But I really didn't know too much about the Jets. I just wanted to hopefully start and and make the transition and hopefully make an impact and I was able to do that. It still wasn't where I wanted to be. I finished, I think, second behind Tony Dorsett uh, for rookie of the year, but it could have been a lot better because I had my share of drops, being nervous and trying to make the adjustments. But uh, the second year I made it to the Pro Bowl and MVP, and and that was history. But my biggest problem was trying to stay healthy, and that that was a big factor. And in this game, entry uh, is a big part of the game, and that could uh, cost you seasons or uh, certain – uh I would say, you know, when you're trying to build up stats to be successful, uh, injuries plays a big part of it because that can make you real successful or not as successful as you could have been. Because I look back on my career and you think about how you train, what you could have done better, because they have so much more uh, in development to try to train. And there's a lot of things that I wish I would have been able to do, but you just didn't know. And you just want to stay healthy and, and be the best that you can. And uh, I wish I had a chance to do it all over again. But then, again, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I was just very happy. I had met some good people. And I cherished being a New York Jets. And I'm in Arizona now, but I'll be going back and forth during the football season. But I'm a, a Jet, you know, through and through. That won't change. I'm a Jet fan.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you come through and you're, you're kind of coming up with – Quarterback Richard Todd, who who got there a year or two before you, and it kind of all came to fruition in '78 when you led the league in receiving yards with almost 1,200, had eight touchdowns. What kind of chemistry did you have with him through the years? I I remember even just coming to the mini camp
0: and obviously training camp also, but my first mini camp, uh, they were really worried about my eye and certain things, and, and when I got there, when I started running my routes and catching the football, and especially the deep routes and whatnot, they pulled me off the field and signed me to a, a contract, uh, but I always, and, and I shouldn't be this way because I just have so much respect for all of my quarterbacks. When I think of my career, Richard Todd would be the number one guy because he was there first. Uh, he had gotten hurt one year. I went to the Pro Bowl. Uh, uh, Rob, uh, Matt Robinson finished up for him. I had a, a great success with both of those quarterbacks and then obviously Kenny O'Brien, you know, but I don't give Richard Todd uh, as much credit as he really deserves. And and I think his biggest problem, you know, when you you have to follow a guy like uh, Joe Namath and following his footsteps, and you kind of want to do the same things. And I think uh, he tried to do that without having to, you know, have his own personality. And sometimes, You know, coaches don't put you in certain situations and utilize your talents, but Richard Todd had a strong arm. He was the physical. And I remember in college, uh, he was like the third string quarterback and we played him at Cal and we got whooped 66 to nothing. I'll never forget that, you know, but I admired Richard Todd and, uh, I I spoke to him months back uh, where he actually called me and we we talked to each other once in a while. And it's just a pleasure when you still have a friendship and, Guys can call you on, on, you and just to check on to see how things are going. And, you know, we all have issues, whether it's health or your wife is going through some things and he's got some personal issues and you just want to support each other. But Richard Todd was a bona fide, great quarterback. The unfortunate thing about us as a team and certain players, I think of Joe Glecko, Mark Gassano, Freeman McNeil, uh, a lot of times we got hurt, but we could play with anybody. And, uh, I would put my teammates uh against anybody, any of our defensive backs that we played against. People ask me, how how did I develop myself? It was my teammates who prepared me to be able to be prepared for a game, and I would put my defensive back against anybody in the NFL, but they never got the credit they truly deserve. And we had a lot of athletes who really because we didn't win and we just didn't get the publicity like some guys did, but we could play with anybody given the time.
1: And, uh, looking at that, one of those games was the 82 AFC Championship game against Miami. You know, Jets fans of a certain age look at that like, like Jets fans my age. I look at the 98 Championship game in 2010 against the Steelers as a game that the Jets win that game and they're winning the Super Bowl. And that one, obviously, uh, the Dolphins leave the field uncovered during a, during a rainstorm and it slows you guys down. Richard Todd throws, I think it was four interceptions and a 14 nothing loss. Do you think that Shula was scared of what what you were going to be able to do on that in normal conditions that he left that field uncovered?
0: I, I don't know if he was afraid, but he was a smart to have the field uncovered uh, because I, we always had success against the Miami Dolphins, and I can remember as my first game as a rookie having a – over 100 and something yards and two touchdowns. I think we beat them. I think I remember scoring 33 to 20. And you think about during that time we were on fire in the playoffs and we were really really hot. And I didn't even you know. You normally I think about weather you know the day before knowing, but I woke up that morning not even thinking about the weather. And I remember waking up looking out my window because that's the first thing I do. Not even listen to the news what it was going to be like, and it was like a monsoon. And I'm like, oh my god. We are in trouble because, you know, I know Joe Walton would change our whole offensive scheme, and we're not going to throw the ball. And thats I want to come off the bus throwing. And we probably played one of our worst games, and that's a game of turnovers. And I know, I remember we got a fumble on our defense, uh, picked up a fumble by their running back in their own territory, but they gave it back to Miami. And I, I believe if we would have recovered, maybe scored, it was a game of turnovers and having field position. And, you know, giving credit to uh the Miami Dolphins, they had a great defense, and they knew what coverages to really pay to stop us. And, you know, uh, we couldn't run the football. We obviously couldn't pass. I caught one ball at the end of the game, a little hitch pass that I will never forget. And I was so depressed. Uh Matter of fact, I had tickets to that Super Bowl to watch Miami play Washington. I left after halftime because I couldn't take it. But I really felt that was the, uh, one team that we had that we could have went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, I think it was in '86. We had uh, a chance, to, uh, and you know, we went ten and one. I thought we had a great team, and we had some severe injuries, to some key players that really turned it around for us. Where it hurt us, where it started to, uh, we lost our little cylinders where we were clicking. Uh, they were, I remember watching even the Jets in '98 when they had a chance to go, and a little turnover here. And I remember Keith Fires from or Curtis Martin from. It's just the little things that can happen, and I don't know if we're just snake bit or what, but, God, you just think about those times. And I really can't even watch the, you know, the, I watch the playoffs, and I do watch it, but it's depressing, you know, when you see people who make that championship run, uh, they're getting interviewed after the game, and that's got to be a, a nice feeling, and it's a feeling that I never got, and it's hard for me to celebrate or do you really kind of watch it. You know, now I just kind of watch. I want to see a good game. Uh, you know, my uh, son-in-law, he's a big Ram fan. Uh, we're going to the Super Bowl, and but I, I, you know, when I see this excitement and the things that come with it, this is something that you dream for, and you never got that opportunity, and it never will happen. And when you're in the playoffs and you have that one time in the playoffs, you're the one and done and out. That is just an awful feeling. And we had a couple of chances, and as a youngster. You don't realize you may not get this opportunity, and I think about that all the time, and I was at the Super Bowl uh watching Cam Newton, the Denver Broncos, and Cam Newton had a, a great season. I think they lost one game, thinking they were going to win. They end up losing. Cam Newton has never been the same. You just don't know the opportunity you're going to get, and I celebrate Tom Brady, how many times he's been there to that level to be able to have that kind of success, and you got to admire that. And there are some people like Dan Marino has never gotten there, and with all the records that he's held, and it's a shame. And and that's what everybody really wants. But it's hard for me to watch and celebrate when I never will get there, and it, it leaves us still a still a pit in my stomach from that loss in '82, and we had a chance to in '86 when we went uh, ten and one, it was awful. But hey, I still appreciate the blessings because a lot of people have never gotten to the point where we got.
1: And we're talking Wesley Walker and to the Tom Brady point, I, you can definitely admire it, but as a Jets fan, I am so glad he's gone. I am, I am so well, glad he's gone. <laughs> I, I have to
0: laugh at it because I, I remember being at some of the Jets functions and when they were playing in the playoffs and I was actually rooting for him and I'm with Jet Feds and they would just go crazy. How could you root for him? But a lot of it it is that you know how difficult it is and you just admire somebody who has the ability, I look at him now, he almost w- went to the Super Bowl again at 45, had one of his best years, leaving on top. He didn't win, obviously. And I was actually pulling for him because he, he just did something nobody's ever done, and I just admire that, you know. I look at Jerry Rice and the numbers that he put up. This is something that you dream about uh, and just wanted to leave that legacy and, and get to the Hall of Fame, and and you know you 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 did your best and, and reach that pinnacle That's got to be a great, great feeling, and that's a feeling I never will get. You've always wanted to. It's just like when you go to the Pro Bowl the year I led the league, getting MVP. That is, I can't even describe it, how good a feeling that is. But you want it to be like that all the time. And when people ask me, do I miss the game? I don't miss being injured. I don't miss losing. If we went to multiple Super Bowls like Brady, I probably would miss it.
1: Uh, Since so you were talking about Dan Marino before that, actually that does lead me into my next question. The 83 draft, Jets are looking for a quarterback, and Marino is still there. They take O'Brien, they take Ken O'Brien. What were your thoughts when you heard Pete Rozelle say the New York Jets select quarterback Ken O'Brien?
0: I didn't have any thought whatsoever, and I, I watched these documentaries, and knowing Kenny O'Brien after I got to know him in a relationship we had I get so angry that people were actually booing him. And when you have success, then everybody's, you know, cheering you on or whatever. And that's just the sport itself. And when you're on top, it's uh, it, it, you know, people are just going to, you know, bow down to you. Uh, Dan Marino not only didn't get passed up by the Jets, he got passed up by a lot of people. And there's a lot of people who have gotten drafted high and never materialized. Kenny O'Brien was one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever been around, and obviously I think if he would have been on a better team, and, and I, I use this rationale also, if Dan Marino would have came to the Jets, I'm not so sure he would have had the success he had over the years that he did have. And, and it takes the team, it, it takes the organization, it takes the people around you, and it takes somebody who really knows and how to use you and know what you can bring to the table and help harness that. If you don't have great coaches uh, that can take you to another level, it, some things just don't materialize. And I can honestly say I played 13 years. I had one coach that brought me to another level that made me better. You know, you, I had a lot of technicians and you work on certain things, but I didn't have coaches that would make me better or, or teach me something. And also we can teach the coaches something because there are terms where I, I told my coach, I can do this, that, nothing. I can read this. And they actually put it in practice, put it on the game plan. And one year I was even surpassing my all-pro year, averaging over 25 yards. I think it was 25, 70 yards a catch. I had 100 and some yards, and it's not even the second quarter. All because a coach listened to what I had to say, and then I get knocked out of the game uh, and ended by season, you know. And I think about those type of things, how good it could have been. And when you have success, you, you have to have durability, uh, nowadays you know you train a certain way they have so many different things i didn't even drink water i'm just now drinking water right now from a health standpoint changing my whole diet right now and there's just so much more that you can do and that's what tom brady has done over the years to be successful and i think if people had programs to really follow like that they could be much more you know just a lot more better but a lot of guys make poor choices and you're young and you don't know better and you, you cut yourself short and your career can be cut short because of things or activities that you get involved in instead of doing the right things all the time.
1: Uh, so one of those, one of those games, uh, that I, I look at is the, uh, 19, I think it was the 86 shootout between the Jets and Miami, your four touchdown game. Uh, what, what do you remember from that game?
0: Well, I remember the drop that they called on me and I, they didn't call her drop, they actually, <laughs> called it a fumble and they recovered and they went back to score and I thought it was all over and so I know that people that I've known over the years, I could have the greatest games ever and that was one of them and I will always look at the, the maybe the catch that I didn't make that I could have been better but certainly I admired Dan Marino and the shootout with Kenny O'Brien and Kenny O'Brien outdueled Marino and that's the type of guy. I saw Dan, uh, uh, Kenny O'Brien outduel Marino, Elway, in a, in a shootout in the Superstars competition. And reporters get angry at me when I say, and I never played with Joe Namath. I love Joe Namath. So he's treating me like I played with him, like I've known him for years. And I always tell people, I'll take Kenny O'Brien over Dan Marino, John Elway, or Joe Namath. And I never played with either of them, but that's the kind of respect I had for Kenny O'Brien. But the, uh, and the one thing that I do remember about that game is that you know, I almost gave up that game. Number one, I had a strained groin. I was angry at Joe Walton. He wasn't using me. I think I caught my first touchdown uh, towards the middle of the second quarter. And then I remember begging him to run this one play, and he couldn't make up his mind. It was like a deep ball. And, and, and Miami was in the right coverage. Uh, but Kenny O'Brien had put it in between two defenders, and I broke a tackle and went for my second touchdown. And the the when I tied the game up or with Kenny O'Brien, our team, it wasn't a defensive game. That's for sure with the way, you know, the both offense were clicking because the defense certainly wasn't there with all the points that were being scored. But for him, in matter of fact, I was on the sidelines when we called this special formation that we worked on and worked on. I was on the sidelines. Kenny told me to get out and told my backup, uh, Kurt Sone, to get out, and I went in. And they still were in the right coverage. And how he stuck it in there and how it stuck on my hands, I was like in a dream bro. I still don't – I just—I don't even know how the ball just stuck in my hand in between four or five defenders, caught a winning – I mean, the tying touchdown with no time left. And then, you, obviously, you come back and I catch my fourth touchdown, to win in the overtime. And I wish they were all like that. But that is like a dream come true. But it just doesn't happen very often. But I have so much respect for Kenny O'Brien. And and he took a beating, you know. And, obviously, I think if he had more protection, uh, a better team surrounded him, he would have probably had more success. But the character, the the type of teammate he was, and the toughness, uh, you couldn't find anybody better. And he reminded me of a a guy that I had in college. uh, Because I had some good quarterbacks in Steve Barkowski, Vince Ferragamo. But I had this guy, Joe Roth, who was going to be the next Joe name, as they thought. And he ended up; uh, his cancer came back, and he died his senior year. And that was just a bummer year for me because I'd got hurt my senior year. He passed away his senior year, uh, but he was the most down to earth, had an arm, and the personality reminded me of Kenny O'Brien. And that's what Kenny O'Brien brought to the table, and I always admired him for that.
1: Yeah, we're talking with Wesley Walker. It's got a couple more here. Uh, so, over the last thirty years since you last played, have you seen the game? Have you seen the game change? I haven't seen the
0: game change itself. I mean, you, obviously you have certain rules, you know, and they try to protect the quarterbacks, but it's football. It's blocking, tackling. It's the same thing. The, the thing that has really changed is the movement with free agency. Uh, they didn't have that. I remember I was trying to orchestrate a trade, get to the Raiders, and the Jets wouldn't do it for whatever reason. just didn't work out, but they didn't have the movement. So when I look at teams who have moved to different areas and then teams and players, you don't you don't have that different camaraderie or teams that you can follow with this guy. It's hard for me. Even when Curtis Martin came to the Jets, I still picture him as being a New England guy. But he probably played more of his career with the New York Jets. But I always thought he was a New England guy. And in that aspect, I think it's changed because players move around with the free agency. And obviously the money is a whole lot better. But when it comes to blocking and tackling, running, pass-catching, and the game has gotten more of a, I would say, passing era, uh, and they've gotten away from that standard fullback and running game. And then it's nice when you have both, you know. And with the injury factors, sometimes you just can't have both, you know. But it's nice when you have the best of both worlds where you can run the ball and pass the football. But as far as the game, with the blocking, tackling, that has never changed.
1: How do you think? How do you think a player like yourself would be valued in 2022?
0: I don't know to be honest with you, because, and that's very difficult for me, because a lot of times, you know, I think it's the really the system and coaches, and and somebody that is behind you that really knows you and is promoting you, because sometimes you can be in a system with a coach who doesn't have the respect for you to know what your abilities are or try to fit his scheme and not knowing what your really abilities are. I know coaches can be like that, and it really can put a damper on your performance. And there are coaches, like I said, I had one coach who could see something in me, teach me some things, and then elevate me. I could always run by people. And then he taught me how to run some routes to make it even easier, and I would beat guys just just mercifully, it would be embarrassing where I could run a corner route, and he's going to the post, and I'm wide open, or I'm just, if you look at a lot of my deep balls, I'm just wide open by myself, and I was able to do that because of technique and things that I've learned over the years, and that becomes uh, a a thing where you have coaching, and if you do not have a guy that has confidence in you or puts a a stereotype on you because I know back in the day, they always thought, okay, I'll tune you short stuff, and I'm the deep pattern guy, and you know you could do either or, and I, I didn't want to be one-dimensional, but sometimes coaches put you in a situation where you are the one-dimensional type person. And then people can really double you or do things to take you away. And so getting the opportunity, that is the best way I can describe it. And when you don't get those opportunities, you're just very limited. And that was the frustrating thing for me, being with the Jets. And nowadays, when you look at the passing game, I think I could be beneficial. And I look at a Tyreek Hill who can run, because I can run, and just whether you're inside the slot or, you know, and I, I like to think that I could even do that nowadays, uh, you know, depending on the way they want to utilize it. But it's the, really the coaching who puts you in a situation. And for the lives of me, when I see Cooper Cup have the year that he has had, and nobody can seem to stop him, no matter what. And in, in, in crunch time, there's no way he should be running free. But that's the ability that he brings to the table. And obviously he has a coach who can set him up, and you have to study and everything else. And that's what you want to be able to have, that opportunity. And uh, I think I could bring that to the table. But then again, you have to have the coaching, the system, who knows how to utilize their players.
1: Now is there is there anyone that you watch now and you say – Put a speedbird helmet on him and a green eighty-five, and that's and that's me out there.
0: Well, I look at Tyree Hill when I see him run like that. That that would be me. But there's so many guys, you know. That I mean, God, I like to chase. But there's so many other guys that you know. I don't care if you're big or small or fast or slow. You know, I look at Wayne Corbett. You know, I look at Element over the years. I look at Cooper Cup. He's not a big guy, you know, but. It's just what you bring to the table to be able to have Billy. And I don't like comparing guys, whether it's running back, receivers. Everybody brings something to the table. And everybody, like there's certain things that, you know, Altoon could do, and, and and maybe I couldn't do it. I'd certainly give it a try, but there's certain things that I could do that he couldn't do. Everybody brings something to the table. You just got to learn how to exploit that and, 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 and believe in somebody and to make them become successful. I had a guy, Lamb Johnny Lamb Jones. If he would have had the ability to really work at his craft, that was number one, and he didn't have confidence, and the coaches would even hit drop a ball and take him out and yank him, and, like, he was the type of player, you know, he'd work out for a couple weeks and you wouldn't see him for months, you know. But if I had him as a receiver coming in, I would have took him to the side like my coach did with me, and I would tell him, you're going to catch more balls than you're going to drop, and work with them, and know the what you bring to the table. He'd have made me a super car, uh a superstar coach, and I'd have made him a superstar. But sometimes you don't get that opportunity, and that's why you got to take it upon yourself to work and uh, create things for yourself because you may not get the coaching who's going to support you in the way you need. And as a veteran, I didn't even get that in the later part of my career uh, because they they put some label on you. And and I tried to tell Joe Walton. You're listening to people. When you we come in, you never met us, but you may look and listen to, let's say, a general manager or a trainer. They may say this, that. Instead of getting to know your players and then make an evaluation, instead of listening to somebody who are, puts a label on you. And as a coach, if you know the ability and you're really the coach and you you've got to evaluate your players, that's a real coach. And sometimes you don't get that opportunity. And as a coach, that's what I would do. But I would like to think that I could play with anybody given the opportunity. And that's what with injuries. I'm older now. I can't even hardly run. I look at uh, the fact I could run like a deer. And now I can't even hardly run right now because of injuries that I've had. You know, I've had a six level back fusion. Uh, I had a, a four level uh, fusion in my neck. And I've had both my shoulders operated on, my knee, and my Achilles. And this is after my career. And then you think about. The way you used to be able to run and do things and you can't do those things anymore. And I used to look at players now that are older and they can't even hardly walk. And I'm like, I've been with my teammates and saying to myself, are we going to be like this when we're older? And it's starting to happen, but I would, there's so many guys, like I said, I mentioned Tyreek because he can run and I was fast like that, but there's so many guys in this league besides Tyreek that can run also, you know, and I can't compare them all.
1: Well, Wesley, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it and, uh, enjoy the Super Bowl next week.
0: Oh, wait, thank you. I, I appreciate everything. You can call me anytime and thank Kenny Ken Zor for putting us together.
1: <laughs> Alright, yep. Uh, that was Wesley Walker and like, like he said, big thank you to Kenny Zor at KZ Sports Marketing for getting this all set up. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to talk about that big game happening in Los Angeles next Sunday between the Rams and the Bengals. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 a.m. Or listen live online at WGBBRadio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on
1: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. And we're back for the second half of WGBB Sports Talk New York here on WGBB ninety five point nine FM and twelve forty AM. Before I get started with this second part, got a shout out to my man Trevor behind the glass. Trevor, how we doing tonight? I'm good, man. We got, we got. Oh, we're we're getting we're getting vocal. I like it. On <laughs> your program, man. I never knew you were that good, man. Well, th- I I appreciate that. Thank you. Like, uh, <laughs> I I I just I just found out today. This is the first time I'm meeting Trevor, and he, he runs the show here. As yeah. I I found out today. <laughs> yeah, I run the old station, man. <laughs> and you and you and you and you're doing a damn good job. Appreciate that, man. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna jump right back into it here on. On this Sunday night. Of course, if you all want to hit me up on Twitter, uh, you can hit me up at Andy underscore Sukoff. Uh, any, any thoughts on football, baseball, the lockout's still going on, unfortunately. Hopefully that ends before the season starts. I'm not optimistic, but anything's possible. Hockey, Olympics, whatever. If you want to hit me up, you can do it there. All right. We're one week away from Super Bowl 56. SoFi Stadium, the scene the Los Angeles Rams looking to win their second Lombardi trophy against the upstart Cincinnati Bengals who have made an incredible run through the AFC to go for their on their third chance for their first trophy. They've, it's their first time in the Super Bowl since 1989 as they went in the 88 season and got smacked around by the 49ers like everybody else did in the 80s before this before this season the Cincinnati Bengals hadn't won a playoff game since 1991 and for some people listening they're gonna feel really old and some people are, are about to feel very young for what I'm about to say now but the last time they won a playoff game I wasn't even born yet and then they go on go on this, this amazing three game run they take they go out they beat they beat the Titans which I don't think anybody saw coming. I mean, I I know I didn't. I actually, I actually thought the Titans were going to be representing the AFC in the Super, in the Super Bowl. Then they go to Kansas City and they take on the defending AFC champion Chiefs. The, they won the Super Bowl two years ago and they go in there, take it to overtime, force Patrick Mahomes to throw an interception after they won the coin toss, which worked out so well for them two weeks ago against Buffalo. They force an interception, drive down the field, and Money Mac, Evan McPherson, kicks the winning field goal to send the Bengals to the Super Bowl for the first time in 34, in 33 years. And so it's a, it's a great story. It's two electric teams that we're gonna be watching next week. I'm gonna start, like, starting with, just starting with Cincinnati, you got Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, number one pick two years ago, just two years ago. The Cincinnati Bengals are the number one pick. And now they're in the Super Bowl. So, I'm looking at you, New York Jets. I, I want you to do that. You, you. The Bengals went from two wins to four wins to Super Bowl. The New York Jets had two wins two years ago, four wins this year. So, you know what? I I want you in the Super Bowl next year. I, look, I know it's not going to happen. I'll take five hundred. Get. Get me to where you're competing for a playoff spot in December, and you're not out of it by October. That, that's what. That's all I want next season. Looking at the rest of the Bengals, and again, I'm looking at you, New York Jets, because I want you to build just like the Cincinnati Bengals did—an electric offense where Burrow gets to throw to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins has Joe Mixon running it behind him. C.J. Uzama, who got hurt in the AFC Championship game, uh, which is a big, which is a big blow, has. Right, right now tight ends are a hugely valuable position in, in a passing offense. They, they have a great, they have a great unit that can work really well. Their offensive line needs work as they got sacked, as Joe Burrow got sacked nine times against Tennessee and they still managed to win that game. So that's a testament to Burrow and watching what he did, what he can do, his elusiveness in the pocket is really impressive. And there was one play where he got out of it, and Matt, I, I think he managed to throw a touchdown. That it looked like it kind of looked like the Eli Manning to David Tyree play in Super Bowl 42, which happened 14 years ago. This is also crazy to think about. Our defense stepping up with guys like Jesse Bates playing well. You know they have they have a they have a good unit that's really blending together at the right time. Got hot at the right time. And they're going up against the NFC champion, Los Angeles Rams. This is a team that's been gearing up for this for three years. They've been amassing talented player after talented player. Some built up on their own. Guys like Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Cam Akers. And some being brought in like Matthew Stafford, Von Miller, Odell Beckham. These, these are guys that... Oh, especially for a guy like Stafford, I, I am so happy for him that he's that he's making it to the Super Bowl. a guy who was drafted number one by the Detroit Lions back in two thousand nine. He is he was on terrible team after terrible team because the Lions just can't get out of their own the way. He did manage to get into the playoffs a couple times, which that should that should get him in just on general principle, because anybody who brings the Lions to the playoffs is already pretty much God gets traded to gets traded to the uh to the Rams for Jared Goff. And now he's one game away from hoisting that Lombardi trophy, which will be a which will be a capstone on his career. He's been a great quarterback, I would say a borderline Hall of Famer. He wins a Super Bowl, I think that puts him over the edge. And like I said, you got guys like Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham on the outside for just really good wide receivers. I mean, Cooper Cup led the league in every receiving category imaginable. Receptions, yards, touchdowns, you name it, Cooper Cup did it. And for anybody who had him in fantasy football, you, you were, you're a huge fan. And then You look at Cam Akers for running the ball. And what, what, what a story for him. Guy blows out his Achilles in training camp. He's going to miss the season. Okay, you, you write him off. Finally, around like week 15, 16 year oh, he might come back. Who's, nobody does that. I don't even think Superman can do that. And yet, here's Cam Akers taking on full rushing load in the playoffs after having not played the entire season. Where the Rams were using a running back tandem of Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle to do what Cam Akers wasn't able to do all season. Now, it's Cam, it's the Cam Akers show. Sony Michelle gets some carries and Daryl Henderson, you don't even hear from him. I uh, I I had Daryl Henderson in one of my fantasy leagues. He actually he kept me afloat for about seven weeks. And then you look at their defense. Like we like I spoke about Aaron Donald and Von Miller earlier. Aaron Donald's one of the best play one of the best defensive players in the game, and may just in general be one of the best players in the game. Already on a fast track for Canton. Getting that Super Bowl is is like that is that big thing for him. He's he's had an opportunity as he went to the Super Bowl a few years ago with the Rams. They lost to New England Patriots in what was. Really a terrible game. Now he's got his second chance. And I, I, I would say if you're, if you're a betting person, take the over on whatever his sack total is. With the Bengals off at the line, he's gonna, he's gonna pass that. So if it's like one and a half, I would take it. That seems like a, that seems like a pretty safe bet. And what I'm hoping for the Super Bowl is that it's gonna be as fun as the last two weeks were. In the playoffs. Like, you look at how these playoffs have gone for fans of not only the teams that are in it, but for just for the casual fan watching. You couldn't ask for anything better. The divisional round, every single game went down to the wire to the last second. And I think every single one of them was, hit, was clinched with a game winning field goal. You know, the, the Packers go down in in Lambeau, to the 49ers on a on a game winner. The the Tampa Bay Bucs come all the way back from 27 to 3. They come all the way back. The Rams hang on to win. The Cincinnati Bengals get a less going to overtime, get the field goal against against Tennessee. And then that ridiculous game in Buffalo between the Chiefs and the Bills that just goes back and forth. Those 13 seconds that took forever, and I think it was like 18 or 19 points scored in the last in the last minute and 45 seconds, and finally you get to overtime and just pandemonium. Can you imagine the Bills would have won that game? How much how much more insane Buffalo would have been that night? It, 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 it's it's fun for me to think about it because I've I've been up to Buffalo for a football game and Buffalo Bills fans are. Super devoted and super crazy and it it it's fun. I can only imagine what would have happened that night if they would have won that game. Then you look then you look at the the championship weekend. The Bengals and Chiefs game was a very good game. Chiefs jump out in front to a big lead. They don't get the points at the end of the half. The Bengals make adjustments, come all the way back and tie it, and then then you look, then you look at the Chiefs, they win the coin toss. They're thinking, okay, this, this one's over. I'm gonna throw it to Kelsey, I'm gonna throw it to Tyreek, and we're going, we're going, we're going to the Super Bowl. Not so fast. As the Bengals, they continue their adjustments on defense, make the plays they need to, and then get the interception, drive down the field, Money Mac puts the Bengals to the Super Bowl. The Rams and Niners game wasn't as exciting, the Niners jump out to a lead. They're winning by ten in the fourth quarter, and as we've seen Kyle Shanahan teams do, unfortunately on occasion, they couldn't hold it. Like they they had they had their chances, and they needed they had they had the opportunity to put that game away, and they let the Rams stay in it. And the Rams, being a better team, even though and playing in their home stadium, but you would never know because you watch you look at that game, and it was. It was the Red Sea. Like, that, that's what Niners fans called themselves going to, going to SoFi Stadium. There was way more red in those stands than there was blue and gold. I, if I hadn't known better, I would have said it was a 49ers home game. And the only thing that confirmed to me that it wasn't was that when the Niners scored a touchdown, that there wasn't any music or anything. It was just the Niners fans cheering. So I, I look at that. The fans are super into this, into this playoff season. They've been getting some record ratings. I think, I think championship weekend, I think had like 43 million people from what I, what I was reading. Which is a, that's a ton of people. That's a lot of people watching. And you're gonna, you're gonna see probably almost double that for the Super Bowl. Probably more, actually. Cause this, this Super Bowl has a lot of intrigue. And while I'm sure a lot of people wanted to see Brady versus Mahomes again, you're gonna have a lot of people who are gonna be watching that are gonna be very happy that TV twelve is not there. I'm one of them. I want would watch anyway because I love football. But not having to watch him in another Super Bowl is just is incredibly satisfying. I one of my favorite things about the Super Bowl time I like the prop bets. And now that it's legal here in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, and of course, have yeah, more responsibly. Some of those prop bets get wild, and you have your you have your stereotypical ones. You know, what color is the Gatorade gonna be? Who is it gonna be, heads or tails? Who's gonna score first? Is it gonna be a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, is is it gonna be a defensive touchdown? And all all those props are. I kind of want to see like what what's gonna be the most random one that comes out. Like, are we gonna see? You know, is the first run play gonna be a draw? Is it gonna be a sweep? I, I wanna see I wonder what the odds would be for that if they, if they even, if anybody even goes that deep into it. I'm sure someone does somewhere. But that, that's, that's what part, that makes it even more fun when you can, you can talk, think about something so mundane as, oh, is it gonna be a draw or a toss play on the first play? Or is it gonna be a play action and he's he's gonna throw it, and Burrow's gonna throw it to Jamar Chase on the first play for 12 yards? Like I I saw one today. I was I was messing around on on DraftKings, and one of them was the over under on the jersey number of the person who scores first. Like you you want to talk about really out there? That one is that one's out there, and that's and that's even it might even be a lot harder to decide now, given the fact that you can wear pretty much whatever jersey number you want. So when you have wide receivers wearing number one like Jamar Chase does. You know, I might be more inclined to take the under on that because he's got a good chance of scoring that first touchdown. We'll see who the MVP is going to be. Most likely it'll probably be one of the two quarterbacks. And with this, there, there's a cool st- I saw this stat via Tony Reilly from around the horn. There before the two quarterbacks in in the game, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford, both number 1 draft picks, which is awesome. Cuz You you, when, When you draft the quarterback number one, you expect them to be the one who leads your team to the promised land. For Matt Stafford, he's doing it on his second team. Burrow doing it in his second year. Prior to this, nine quarterbacks that have been drafted number one overall have played in a Super Bowl. Terry Bradshaw, Joe Namath, who was drafted number one in the AFL draft, Drew Bledsoe, Jim Plunkett, John Elway, Jared Goff, the two Mannings, and Troy Aikman. So you're talking about some elite company here where you'll now have 11 quarterbacks that were drafted number one overall that have played in a Super Bowl. And that's taking into account that Tom Brady played in like 90% of the Super Bowls for his entire career. So he had a six-round pick that was taking up half of them. I wish I could go to the Super Bowl because I this one actually does look like a lot of fun. And I'm... I, for kicks, I went to go look at ticket prices. I, you know, I, I wasn't, I'm not flying out to LA, but I, I just kind of wanted to see how much they were. And the cheapest ticket I saw was about $5,000. And that really made me to yeah, I'm definitely not going. Not that I'm expecting tickets for under a thousand bucks, but like, you know, like I was thinking maybe like somewhere on the secondary market, I might find one for like 2500 3000 Again, just you think you'd figure that there would be one somewhere? Uh, no, five thousand dollars, and eat, like, and the most expensive ones are like thirty thousand dollars. Goes to show you that football right now is king in the United States, and that people are absolutely going to pay top dollar for games that they want to go to and for games that they want to be seen at. I mean, I've already said the Je- if the Jets make the Super Bowl, when I'm alive, I'm I'm going, and I I hope. That is sooner rather than later. I'm not going to make a prediction tonight because it's still a week out. A lot of things can happen. So when as we get closer to to the game, I will have my prediction on my Twitter. So you can you can find my predictions on Twitter at Andy_Sukoff. You'll you'll want to check it out. I'll probably have some other analysis. Decide what I think is going to happen. Maybe maybe I'll be talking about some of the bets I like. Uh, we'll see if the spread changes. Right now it's at, the Rams are favored by four points. I don't think it's gonna change too much from there. Maybe a, maybe a half a point here, a point there. Like I don't think it's gonna go above five, personally. And as we got a few minutes left here in the show, just wanna talk about the other, one of the other big sporting events that's happening right now in, over in China, the 2022 Winter Olympics being hosted in Beijing. Like, well, I, when like, I, I love the Olympics. I, I think it's very fun to be able to watch your fellow countrymen and women, you know, compete in a whole bunch of different events that normally you wouldn't watch. Rather than, you know, when you, when you're watching a sporting event, when it's like the regular league, you know, you have your team and you're rooting for players of, from all walks of life. And then the Olympics come in and It takes on a whole new meaning because it's not just your team, it's your country. There's not a lot of juice for these Olympics for one reason or another. It could be the fact that we just had the Summer Olympics six months ago. It could be that, you know, people have their, have their personal feelings about, about the Olympics being taking place during a COVID, during the COVID pandemic others about their personal feelings towards the Chinese government. But we're watching you watch the Olympics for the athletes. And those these people have worked their butts off to make to get to the Olympics for because for a lot of these athletes like like you you watch if you watch hockey like you know those guys can can play in the NHL or they can play in any of the other professional leagues around the world. But for sports like alpine skiing and biathlon and luge that honestly most people don't couldn't tell you anybody who's doing it the olympics is the is the top of the mountain for those people that's where that's that's going to be their chance for them to get the exposure that they want to get the recognition for the time and the effort that they put into their craft and I mean, admittedly, while I may not watch all of those things, like, they try to catch a little bit of everything. I, I, like, for me, I have the two sports I watch in the Winter Olympics. I watch the hockey, the men's and women's hockey, so I'm, I'm, as I'm waiting for the men's to start, the women's hockey has been very entertaining. The, uh, Team USA has been rolling as they get ready for their matchup against Canada this week, which should, which will, in all likelihoods, also be the gold medal game. As it was in 2018, and I'm pretty sure like every other Olympics. The U.S. women's team is on fire. They went, they took it to Switzerland today to the tune of eight, excuse me, eight nothing, where they're, they're firing on all cylinders, and they're doing that by, and sitting their number one goalie. Like, Matty Rooney has only played in one game. And, you know, as they play Canada and they get into the medal rounds, obviously she's going to play more often. But if they can put up numbers like that and not have to use the number one, think of what's going to happen when they do. I- I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen. And I like curling. I got into it a few years ago during the 2018 games in Pyeongchang. And I didn't fully understand what was going on. As I watched it, I kind of figured out what, what the rules were and how to play and it kind of reminded me of the shuffleboard game you play in the bar and so then i I got really into it and the u.s and the u.s men won the won the gold medal and it's awesome um so i'm watching i'm watching the mixed doubles and kind of figure out the kind of relearning as i go what everything happens is but then you have the sports like the speed skating that you know unless there's that one person who Draws national attention like Apollo Ono did about 15 years ago, or you know the, the snowboarding when Chloe Kim and Sean White are are competing. Most people aren't going to be watch because it's not something that interests them. But that, but that's for those athletes. That's this is their time to shine. This is like they're gonna get they're gonna get those gold medals and that's gonna be their that's their crowning their crowning glory achievement because they don't have. They don't have a pro league to go to. Like this is this is it for them. And for a guy like Sean White, who's been doing this forever and ever, he, he I think he's been competing in the Olympics since like two thousand two. So he's he's already announced this is going to be his last Olympics. And he's been he's been at the X Games. He's been in the Olympics. He, he's won all over. So a guy, a guy like that, like you you, you were going to watch him to kind of like you know to. Send your respect to him for for a long career, even if you don't really know what he does. If you, if you couldn't if you couldn't tell what what a 720 on a snowboard looked like as compared to to grinding off the off the half pipe. you're you're gonna you want to watch him to see what see what he can do for one last time. Like Chloe Kim took the world by storm four years ago, and let's see what see what she's able to do. Like I, I was while waiting for one of the curling matches to go on. I caught a little bit of the long jump. And watching that, it kind of makes, it kind of make, makes my stomach drop when they show the, when they show from the bottom of the ramp, and then you just watch it. And they're and it looks like they're flying, and it's so cool. Uh, but it's one of those things I'm glad I never tried to do because I'm pretty sure I would have, I would have broken both of my legs at this point. And it would not have been pretty. So I'll, I will leave it to the people in Switzerland and all the Scandinavian countries to do that. And I'll sit here and just talk about it. That's going to do it for me tonight. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank Wesley Walker for joining me. And of course, thanks to Kenny Zorr from KZ Sports Marketing for getting that all set up. Of course, I got to thank my man Trevor behind the glass. Trevor, you're the man. Thank you very much. And that's going to do it for me tonight. You all enjoy. You've been listening to WGBB Sports Talk New York here on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM or wherever you get to listen to your podcast. I'm Andy Sukoff. Have a good night.